dotted across this land in major cities and sometimes in smaller rural towns, you find memorials. I mean, memorials that are usually uh, erected to those who have fought for the freedom of our country, for those who have given sacrificially so that we might have the freedoms we enjoy each and every day. If you go to major cities, you'll find them in downtown locations. In most rural areas or small town America, you'll find them on the city square. And you'll be able to go there and it'll remind you of what God has given us in the freedom we have here in America. That these men and women went against the grain of the British Empire in order to establish a nation where we could have freedom. Freedom of life, but more than that, freedom of religion. The ability to worship God without anybody else telling us how to do that. It's interesting when you read in the scripture about freedom, you oftentimes will note that God talks about freedom in many different ways, but often he will talk about freedom from sin or freedom from the old life and having a new life and freedom away from things that drag you down and giving you freedom to live in in life that he has created for you. But along the way, you know there are bumps, right? You know there are some valleys, there are some hills, and there are some ups and some downs and what we sometimes call splintered times when the pain of going through those times is pretty tough. C.S. Lewis, Christian author, one time wrote this, gave us this quote. He said, you can't go against the grain of the universe and not expect to get splinters. That's so true. And when you go against the grain of what the world teaches, it oftentimes looks like this, this fish. Every other fish is one color, but not that one. And that needs to be you. And they may be swimming all in one direction and you're going the other. And on the stairs, that's you in the red. Everybody else is going with the norm. Everybody else is doing what everybody else is doing, but not you. That's called going against the grain. In fact, I found the definition of going against the grain. It says it's unconventional, maverick, nonconformist, contrary to what is expected. But here's the part I like. It's behavior that's different from what society expects. It's different. In the athletic world, we call it, we say it this way. We call it when everybody else is zagging, you need to be zigging. In other words, sometimes you've got to zig when everybody else is zagging. You've got to go a different direction. You've got to do something totally out of the ordinary in order to do what God has called you to do. My dad one time looked at his kids, and many of you will identify with this. My dad looked at us and said, if everybody else jumps off the cliff, will you, you know? That's stuck in my brain. I decided a long time ago I was not going to just go with the flow. I was not going to just do what was popular. I was going to do what Romans 12 says. I'm not going to be conformed to this world, but I'm going to be transformed by the renewing of the mind. I want to do what Jesus said in Matthew 10 when he said, hey, you need to just take up your cross and follow me. It's different. It's not the norm. It's not what the culture says. It's not what's always popular. 
When you go against the grain of this world, you can expect splinters. C.S. Lewis was right. But you can also expect the blessing of God when you do what he's called for you to do. You see, I'm a big believer in the fact that, that, that we sometimes forget that what is, is uh, normal, what is popular with the world is not always palatable to God. In other words, he doesn't like the way it tastes. He doesn't like the way it smells. It's not palatable to God when you're just doing what everybody else does and going with the flow and, and, and doing what's normal in the world. In fact, God expects for you to do something totally different. He expects for you to, to be somebody different than this world calls for you to be. <laughs> I just think that sometimes we, we want to look for the grandiose. We want to look for the things that are just you know, totally out of the box and that kind of thing. No, what we ought to be looking for is a heart that's surrendered to God that winds up in a simple life of faith that pleases Him. That smells good to God. That's what Jesus was talking about in the Sermon on the Mount. He was talking about going against the grain. He was talking about being different from the world. And in this Sermon on the Mount, my section that I'm supposed to handle here tonight and tomorrow morning comes out of chapter 6 in the Gospel of Matthew and chapter 7. So tonight I want to look at both those passages. We're going to read through them. And then I want to draw out four things that Jesus teaches us about not just being popular, not just going with the flow, but going against the grain and for it to look good to Jesus. Let's read Matthew 6, beginning in verse 1. It says this, Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men so you can be seen by them. For if you do, you'll have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by men. I tell you the truth, they've already received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father in heaven, who sees what is done in secret, he'll reward you. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners so they can be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they've already received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans do, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need even before you ask Him. This then is how you ought to pray, our Father in heaven, Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now in another passage in the New Testament, it adds another piece of that Lord's Prayer. And you know what that is in your mind, but let's stick with this text. Jesus shifts gears and says, For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive 
your sins. Wow. I wonder why he tacked that on to how to pray. And then when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show men that they are fasting. I tell you the truth, they've already received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Are you seeing a trend here? Are you seeing a trend? Jump to chapter 7, beginning in verse 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Now which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, you'll give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil... Know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. What four things did Jesus teach us here in the Sermon on the Mount that said, go against popular religion and build a relationship with Jesus that allows you to be different from the world. What four things showed up here tonight? Well, let's begin with number one. He said, when you give, <laughs> do not be hypocritical. When you give, do not be hypocritical. You do know the Bible teaches us, Psalm 24, 1, that everything, everything created on earth and everyone living on the earth belongs to God. Everything belongs to God. You, you really don't have any possessions of your own. Everything belongs to him. And if you know that and you practice that, then you understand what he's saying here. When you give, you give because it belongs to him anyway. That's what we call generosity. That's what the New Testament teaches in our giving, that we ought to be generous with how we give. Jesus sat outside the temple one time, and he saw a man come down the, the street, and the guy dumped a whole bunch of coins into that metal coffer that went down into a treasure in the temple area, and everybody on the street turned around and went, oh, And then a woman came along with two pennies, and she put those in. They didn't make a lot of noise. But Jesus said, which one gave more? The disciples were like, uh, uh, we think the woman. And Jesus said, you bet, because she gave all she had. She gave sacrificially. She gave generously. She gave because it belonged to God anyway. And that's what Jesus wants us to know. When you give, don't draw attention to what you give. Don't draw attention and do it so everybody turns around and goes, Oh, wow. You do it in secret, so not, to, so not to be a hypocrite. And you let God bless you. You let him put blessing on your life. Because that's what he wants to do. Over in 2 Corinthians 8, verse 9, the Bible says you ought to excel in that kind of giving, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through your, his poverty, might become rich. You're going to become rich because of him. And then it goes on to teach us in chapter 8 and verse 7 that we ought to excel at that. We ought to be really good at that. 
We ought to be moving to a next level kind of giving. Every single time we grow in our faith, we ought to move up. When you give, do not be like the hypocrites. Years ago, Wayne Smith, who preached at Southland in Lexington for 40 years, he was a funny guy. He used to like to tell everybody, okay, it's offering time. I want everybody to stand up. I want you to reach into your neighbor's pocket, and I want you to give the way you've always wanted to give, you know. I used to laugh when I heard him do that or hear somebody say he just did that last Sunday. But you know what? We shouldn't have to do that to our neighbor because Jesus said when you give, give generously and give with joy. Man, be generous and joyful in what you give. And when you give, do it for the right reasons. I mean, when you give, give with a pure motive. So when you give, God's going to bless you. You don't need anybody else to cheer you on or to give you applause. You just want to do it because God wants you to give. When you give, Jesus said, you want to be different from the norm? You want to go against the flow, not with it? You want to be against the grain? (laughs) When you give, do not be hypocritical. You give with generosity. That's what Jesus taught. Secondly, he said, when you pray, do not be hypocritical. When you pray, do not be hypocritical. When he said about praying, he said, he said, here's how you ought to pray. Now, did you notice early on, he said, now, don't be like those guys who stand on the street corner and they pray out loud and they're hypocrites because, you know what? They're not praying because they love to pray. They're praying because they want people to see them pray. If your prayers are full of phrases and well-chosen words and you're doing it because you want to get a message across to the people who hear it that's not from the heart that's not the kind of prayer that God wants to hear I mean, if you're trying to preach a message to a crowd while you pray that's not right Jesus said when you pray your focus should be on one thing only on the father in heaven When you pray, you ought to pray like this, Jesus said. Our Father, He is the one receiving your prayer, not anybody else. Now, if somebody else listens in and hears your prayer and is encouraged by it, that's wonderful. But don't be hypocritical. You pray with pure motives. You pray with the right purpose. And you give God the glory while you do so. Now, if you'll notice, he also tacked on to the Lord's Prayer where he said, don't be hypocritical and pray this way. Then he said, now, don't forget that you need to practice forgiveness in your life. Because if you're not forgiving people who have sinned against you, then you're in sin. Now, if you're in sin, where do your prayers go? I knew a guy a long time ago. He told me, he said, those prayers, they're just going to bounce off the ceiling and come right back on you. You need to practice forgiveness. Jesus put that on there for a reason. Why? Because your prayer should be personal and passionate. And if it's personal and passionate, then it's going to have purpose in what it does, and you're going to be motivated for the right reasons. And when you practice forgiveness, you've now opened up an avenue of blessing you've never anticipated before. There's a reason Jesus put that in there. In the Sermon on the Mount, because he wanted you to know it. So he said, when you pray, don't notice, when you pray, do not be hypocritical. You pray with purity in your heart. 
and you make him the one person audience of your prayer. Thirdly, he said, when you fast, when you fast, do not be hypocritical. When you fast, now, when we talk about fasting, did you notice he didn't say not uh, if, but when. It's when, when you fast, not if you're going to fast. It's almost expected in the scripture. It's like he anticipates that you will. Now, when you fast, here's how you do it. Again, don't do it so that everybody notices you and don't wander around, you know, the church going, yeah, I'm I'm in a five-day fast. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Can I lean against you for a minute? Yeah, okay. Whoa, I think I'm going down. Oh, no, okay, okay, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. Give me some water. Don't do that. That's hypocritical. You're drawing attention to yourself, and you're not giving glory to God. Now, when you fast, it could be away from food. But you know what? When you fast, you could also move away from other things like television, like time with people when you could spend some time with God. You could move away from and don't ooh and don't go, ooh, boo, Fred. How about unplugging from your iPhone and putting it down and going to God? You know, I think it's about time that Christians started setting the pace there. You know, we're so tied to those devices that we can't find time to be tied to him. You can fast away from a lot of different things. In fact, the definition of fasting, fasting is temporarily putting something aside to focus on God and our relationship to him. Temporarily. You know, you put aside food, that's great. You put aside some, some uh, time at work and, you know, you skip lunch, you pray with God. You, you do those kind of things. But there are a lot of things you can temporarily get away from and spend a lot of time with God. And God said, when you do that, when you do that, don't draw attention to yourself. Just do that and let God bless you. So you can do that without anybody knowing it, right? Well, maybe not with your iPhone because everybody's texting you and phoning you and beeping you and twittering you and all those other kinds of things that they do and they'll know you're not answering but you know what maybe that's your testimony I didn't get back to you because I was fasting away from that thing that's all you have to say Jesus said when you fast not if when you fast do not be hypocritical Go against the grain of the culture. Move against the grain and the popular thing to do and give him the time instead. And then here's number four in chapter seven. He said, when you ask, seek, and knock, do not be hypocritical. Did you know that in the the original language, in the Greek language, these three verbs, ask, seek, and knock, they're all what we call present imperatives. It means that you do it with a lot of intensity. You do it it on a continual basis. And you do it with the sincerity of the heart. That that ask, seek, and knock is not just a one-time thing. It's what you do on a regular basis. You're asking and seeking and knocking on God's door because you want a deeper relationship with Him and not with this world. You want to be like Him. That's what this is all about, Jesus said. It's about a relationship. It's not about religion. It's not about a popular religion. It's not about what everybody else is doing. It's about, God's saying, it's about me and you. It's about me and you. So when you ask and seek and knock, 
do so with pure motives and do so with the idea in mind that you're going to build that relationship with God. That's what he wants. Now, did you notice in there, you know, everybody's always said, where in the Bible is the golden rule, right? Have you ever had somebody ask you that? Where in the Bible is the golden rule? Well, there's a lot of things that aren't in the Bible, you know, like cleanliness is next to godliness. It's not in here. Now, I still want you to take a shower, okay? But, but that's not in here. But the golden rule is. But guess what? Jesus did not invent the golden rule. In years before Jesus said this in the Sermon on the Mount, it was often stated by other writers and other philosophers, but they always stated it in the negative. Now, don't do this if you don't want somebody else to do that to you. That's what they'd always say. Jesus is the first one to say it in the positive mode. Do unto others what you'd want them to do to you. He was positive with it. First one to do that. And what he meant was, you know, put yourself in the other person's shoes. You know, think of their interest before you think of, their own, of your own. Philippians 2, right? Apply that to your life. Make sure you're doing this. When you pursue God's will with proper motives, you expect God to answer. And I believe that that's true. And when, when you're doing that, when you're doing all that, then God's going to answer in marvelous ways. He's going to give you what you need in your life. The Sermon on the Mount is not about, it's not about being hypocritical. Jesus made that very clear. The Sermon on the Mount was about changing the way we live. It's about not just conforming to the world, but being transformed by the Word of God. It's about becoming not popular in what you do, but going against the grain and finding the blessing of God. That's what this is all about. And it's time that we understood that Jesus said, it's not about all this other stuff. We should be modeling what we say. I mean, you can go out and say anything you want to say. You can quote a scripture to somebody, but unless you're living that out in your life, that's hypocritical. You can go to somebody and, and quote them a passage of scripture and say, here, this will help you. But if you're not living that out in your life, that's hypocritical. And so this is all about modeling what we put into our message. It's all about living out what Jesus talked about. And in this passage, Jesus talked about going against the grain, against what's popular in religion and building a relationship with him. So that puts you in a place to make a decision. Whether or not you're going to do what's popular, what everybody else is doing. Or my dad would say, if they all jump off the cliff, are you going to do that? Or will you do what Jesus asked you to do? Build a deeper relationship with him. In 1863, in November of 1863, People gathered at a Union Cemetery in Pennsylvania. They came together to honor those who had died for the sake of freedom in America. They had fought against their brothers here as well to emancipate those who were in slavery. That day there were two speakers on the docket. Edward Everett, who was an a, uh, orator 
of sense. He, he was very good at putting words together. He, he could speak and, and just do an amazing job. And, and he was a political orator. And so they asked him to come and, and to speak that day. And Edward Everett got up on a platform and walked to a podium. And he spoke for an hour and 57 minutes. And you think our sermons are long. He finished and sat down. The next speaker came to the podium, President Abraham Lincoln. Lincoln spoke for two minutes. History does not remember what Edward Everett said in an hour and 57 minutes. But history does remember what Lincoln said in the Gettysburg Address. And we do too. Now you may walk away tonight and you'll say, well, yeah, that was, uh, uh, that was pretty good. You know, it was okay. And, you know, well, in an hour from now, will you remember what I said? I, I, you know, that's not really important. Not to me. You may walk away tonight and, and say tomorrow morning when you wake up, well, I remember what Fred said something about Jesus speaking on you know, you may do that. You may not remember sermons you've heard over the last few months. You may not remember sermons you've heard in the last few years. But I want you to remember this. You, you don't have to remember all those. What you do need to remember is what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. That makes a difference in your life. That calls for you to make a decision to either follow Jesus with everything you've got and to give him full credence to change you from the inside out, or, or you can go with the flow. You can do what's popular. You can do what everybody else is doing. Or you can decide to follow Jesus. You can decide to pick up a few splinters. You can decide to put your back against the cross. You can decide to do that which nobody else would do. You, you, can, you, can, you can do what C.S. Lewis wrote about. You can decide to follow him. And he'll change you from the inside out. It's your call. It's your decision tonight. You say, well, Pastor Fred, I'm already a Christian. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about is following Jesus with everything you've got. Of going against the grain. Of building a deeper relationship with Him. Of saying, tonight, I've decided to follow Him. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to sing. We're going to sing an old invitation song. I have decided to follow Jesus, and I want you to make a decision tonight what you're going to do for him. So when you give and when you pray and when you fast and when you ask, seek, and knock, do not be hypocritical. You follow him. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you for the privilege of the Sermon on the Mount. Thank you for challenging us to be different than this world, to look different, 
act different, speak differently, to model the message that you give them. Father, we just pray that tonight that we're going to make that decision to follow you, that we don't want to do what the world wants us to do. But we're going we're gonna to do what you want. We're going to decide to follow you with everything we've got. We're going to follow you. Lord, help us to make that decision. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you stand?